today we are going to talk about who the authority is mm. in your marriage. And that word has a lot of connotation, It's a bit I of a loaded like. word. It's, it's like a bomb. <laughs> it's a bomb. <laughs> you are going to tell them what you thought we should call this episode? What did I say? <laughs> you gotta oh. say it. <laughs> Who's on top? But again, very misleading. In the org chart of your marriage. Uh-huh. Very misleading. Yeah. Not, I mean, somewhat, but we were just joking <laughs> it, about that. It, it would have been a play on words yeah. pun, if you will. <laughs> anyway, yeah, authority. Okay, so it's frustrating to think about authority at times because, frankly, as humans, we want to be in the authority, in the ultimate authority. It goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Mm-hmm. And so this dynamic of authority and dealing with it in a healthy way, viewing it in a healthy way. It's also in a godly way. Healthy, godly way. Well, I think they kind of go side by side. I would argue that, but okay. How is anything godly not going to be healthy for us? Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Point made. Boom. <laughs> I'm right. I just, I think there's words that go with healthy that don't go with godly is what I'm saying. Okay. Well, that's your opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Again. So, I am the authority. So, uh, how we view it, how we approach it, and also how we wield it, where God has asked us to do that. Don't worry, it's going to be a, a fruitful conversation, and we will see you on the other side. Welcome to the Fierce Marriage Podcast, where we believe that marriage takes a fierce tenacity that never gives up and refuses to give in. Here we'll share openly and honestly about all things marriage, sex, communication, finances, priorities, purpose, and everything in between. Laugh, ponder, and join in on candid, gospel centered conversations. This is Fierce Marriage. Now I feel like I have to name something that yeah, name, is, name is one thing healthy, that's... but not godly. Or what the world would consider healthy, but oh, you're changing not it. godly. You're changing okay. it. Okay. My premise is changing. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Anything that's godly is going to be healthy for us in the long run. Okay. Anything that's healthy as the world calls it, might not be godly. I guess I'm just right? thinking like physically healthy. But biblically be... healthy means biblically godly, well, I would I feel say. like you're changing it now. Well, that's <laughs> this is a Christian marriage podcast, so... <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, so, okay, where did this come from, this idea of authority, and why are we talking about it? And to be candid, okay, we just wrapped up the first season where we were the chaplains for our minor league affiliate, the Tacoma Rainiers, or the, the minor league affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. And so we just wrapped up that season and we were going through the book of Matthew for Mm -hmm. the entire season, doing a chapter a week. And we just ended on Matthew 21, which is essentially what this is talking about. Right, right. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But before we get into that, we should talk about our housekeeping because you always like to. Well, we got to give a preview of what we're going to mow (laughs) over. I have no idea. Your pregnancy (laughs) words are just out there. Okay. Housekeeping, vacuum. Okay, we'll keep it fast. If you if you would, we'd appreciate a rating and a review in the podcast uh, app that you use. It helps us get the word out. It's very encouraging. We do read those, and periodically we do share those, and it, it just helps people know what they're getting into. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family members. We haven't asked for that really ever, <laughs> but go ahead and share it. You know, I online. feel like it's such a good resource because it's not really about you, right? And you can say, "Oh, I heard this episode, and it was super helpful," and it can be kind of a you could be a like, blessing, but it's a also conversation like a, starter. Yeah, you could say, "Hey, look at listen to this guy Ryan. He's <laughs> totally he's off the rails. You got to listen to this guy because <laughs> yeah, right. he's an idiot." <laughs> I'm kidding, but anyway, share it. 
uh, rate it, review it, all that good stuff. That's kind of how the internet works. Se- secondly, if you want to partner with us, we would be honored if you would. Uh, we just ask that you pray about it um, because we want partners that are really on mission mm. to see God's vision of marriage perpetuated in our culture and in our generation. Uh, it is definitely needed. Yeah. Right? Where everything is relative. We're saying that, no, God's truth is not relative. It's absolute. And mm. we need to align ourselves with it. We don't need to manipulate it to align itself with what our relative view of how things yeah, should be. A good, that's a good segue into authority right there. <laughs> Whoa. Hello. Right, some consistency. That's good. There we go. So anyway, if you want to be on mission with us, just pray. Ask God, hey, is this something that, that your family should do? And what we mean by being on mission is through patreon.com slash fierce marriage. You can basically partner with us financially. It keeps us ad free. It supports our family. It supports the, the folks that go into making this happen, namely mm-hmm. uh, p- babysitting and paying rent and all <laughs> that and paying for technology and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> technology that did not work well in that last week. Yeah, we had to re-record <laughs> last week. So it's patreon.com slash fierce marriage. Anything start, anything works there. From from two dollars on up. Uh, finally, if you have questions, go to fiercemarriage dot com slash podcast. There's a button there where you can leave a question online, or you can call or text this number, and we do read these nine seven one three 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 eleven twenty. So it. that getting back to your point about where this conversation came from, a little check in with us is that we yes we ended this baseball chapel. We were chaplains, and we were in those roles for the Tacoma Rainiers. And it was really great to get to know some of the wives. Yes. So it's been it's been a blessing all the way across the board. And yesterday, uh, we're recording this early, so it was on a Sunday. Uh, was the last homestand game. It was such a nice day, and it was just so great to see you know the wives, the girlfriends, fiancés, and just say our little goodbyes because the guys are flying out today, and then they're done at the end of the week, and so then they go into their off season, which is great because I think their whole all their families are looking forward to that, but. It's just been such a blessing for us to be able to minister together. So Ryan would minister to the guys in the dugout. I would minister to the ladies on a different day we could find time for. And that's kind of what that looks like. And it was really great to get to know their kids and just open our home. And yeah, so there's there's that. There's that's And with that, we were studying Matthew 21. And typically the, the guys and the girls don't always study the same chapter, but we thought it would be beneficial to, <laughs> for them to have something yeah. to maybe talk about. Um, so we talked about, you talked, I think, more about authority, which I did talk about, Jesus's authority being challenged. But I think it was more in, like, where do we fall mm. as believers? Like, am I really, yeah. you know, understanding who Jesus is and therefore, like, responding from from that understanding yeah. and belief, whereas you were a little more... I was looking at... At the Which picture we'll of authority yeah. that Jesus has been painting throughout all of Matthew, right. and then in twenty one, it's like he comes out. He is doing something different, and it creates it and, this different yeah. um, re- reaction, this visceral reaction, and it's obviously an- analogous to our reaction right. to that same authority claim. Right, and it's got us to thinking. Okay, so how does this be- bear weight on our marriage, yeah. and how does how we respond to this passage affect our? how we approach our marriage as individuals right. and as people, as sinners who need grace and need sanctification constantly. Right. right. And so it, it, yeah, it's, I don't I know. I feel like it just... was a beneficial talk for, at least yeah. for us to, to learn. Hopefully <laughs> the feedback seemed good. <laughs> so hopefully it, it, God is able to use, you know, even our shortcomings and our, mm-hmm. our speech to, to further his will in, in people's lives. Yeah. Um, but yeah, talking, you know, 
really kind of defining what we're talking about today is not necessarily like a roles issue. It's not who's the head and who's the submissive one, although there will be some obvious like overlap and probably some same vocabulary around it. But the overall question we're trying to answer is talking about who is the authority in your marriage, because I think as Christians, we believe, well, God and his word, right? But when we Mm -hmm. function, we don't necessarily act that out, (laughs) especially if our emotions are high or if there's big decisions to be made and we're to be the benefactors of such decisions or whatever. And we want to, you know, get the most that we can out of something and maybe it's not always beneficial. And so how do we make, if God is not already the authority or are there areas, which there inevitably are areas of our life that are not submitted to his authority, what does that look like and how does that affect our marriage? Yeah, and you had talked about you know, for a lot of marriages, their kids are the authority. I don't want to jump right. ahead because you told me specifically <laughs> not to jump ahead. No. Well, defining like authority because we, I was saying like governing authority, and you're like, no, governing isn't really the right word. Authority is like the power right to give orders and make decisions and enforce. You're using the dictionary That's definition. The dictionary right now. is enforced. Don't just act like you just came Sorry. up with that off, <laughs> off the cuff. I'm not. I was gonna say that. <laughs> oh, See. Oh. Enforce obedience. In other words, what we discussed and you said is the person, place, or organization or institution to whom we are accountable to. And so, again, we all say as Christians, Mm. well, God, right? But we function so differently when it comes to our marriage or any really familiar relationship, I feel like. Yeah. The familiarity, at least for me, it's... Yeah. There's there's a default that comes quicker, I think. Mm -hmm. And to me, we have to go all the way back to what We've just defined authority, but I like to think of it like it's it's where the buck stops, right? It's where we have to report in and give an account Mm. for something that we are responsible for. And I love that the word author is part of authority and because we see the authorship of of God Mm. as as the ultimate authority. Okay, so just cosmologically, (laughs) looking at where the world came from, Mm -hmm. we... Okay, God reveals himself in, in a few different ways, right? He reveals himself in his in his creation. Mm-hmm. We can see his, his fingerprints on it. If we just look close enough, long enough, mm-hmm. we'll see him. Yes. If we're honest, uh, because we just frankly don't have any answers aside <laughs> from him. Uh, secondly, he, he reveals himself in his word, mm-hmm. the Bible, <clears throat> and he reveals himself in his son, right? In God, in God The God-man, Jesus right. Christ. And so... All of those are shouting his authority because they're shouting, they're, they they are marks of his authorship, mm. right? I, I watched a video <laughs> yesterday morning. It was all about, <laughs> I think it was called, did you delete it? I think you deleted the title. <laughs> it's did. the Mathematical Challenges of Darwinian <laughs> Evolution, okay? I, I think, I don't I'm know starting if I, seminary people, so. <laughs> yeah, saying. well, I don't know if I'll have time to go any deeper on this kind of stuff once that officially starts, but. Uh, and so these scientists, and I think it was a, co- a, com- a computer guy, like a computer science guy okay. from either Princeton or Yale or one of those like Ivy League schools. Right. It was a guy who, he runs a think tank here, but he he's a biologist in okay. Seattle. And then another guy who's, I think, a philosopher and a, like, I, I want to say like physicist, philosopher, I don't know, he's smart. And they were just talking about how Darwinian evolution, but the conclusion they came to is that for... Darwin's theory of the origin of the species to be true, it would mean that there would have to be a a vast number of mutations that were productive between protein 
chains, right? And this is kind of nerdy, but bear with me. So for for macro evolution, so from like, this is again, the Darwinian view. Mm -hmm. It's not something we subscribe to, because frankly, I think it takes more faith to believe this than it does to believe in the God of the Bible, because the evidence just isn't there. And these guys are talking about that, and they're not Christian guys. And so they're talking about how, okay, so if you have like this primordial goo, and that somehow something happens to where life starts there, Okay, to get to that point, it's a miracle. Right. And then they're saying, okay, from there you have, you know, microorganisms. And then from microorganisms, you get into different bacteria. From bacteria, you get into fish and then lizards. And then this is all very rough cut or whatever. (laughs) Fish, lizards, mammals, apes, humans, right? So they get to this point. And these guys are saying that for that to happen, Mm. the the odds of that happening are so – it would take so much time to Mm -hmm. – basically make the odds pan out to perfect it yeah but there's no way that's the problem with evolution like <clears throat> no matter how long you say that the the universe is or how old you say the universe is the earth is there's just no time there's not enough time they said that's a one in 77 trillion 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 chance that you would have a productive non um non-fatal mutation in yeah. a single protein i believe that okay 77 trillion <clears throat> trillion trillion that's Ladies and gentlemen, that's 36 zeros. Okay, there's not even a trillion people on the planet. Yeah. There's not even there's not even more than I don't know, I think there's like 8 billion people on the planet. So yeah. come on. Well, and to it's say unreal. that something has to evolution what is it? Evolve, I guess, that much. I was watching the show that a friend from one of the wives from the Rainiers that talked to me about. It's called Diagnosis. It's not a bad show. It's about people like crowdsourcing basically um, medical information. And they had one little girl who had a, a genetic mutation, essentially. And it was it was so small and it, it did it on its own. Right. It was so minute, but the effects on her life, like she would just kind of get paralyzed and kind of fall over and melt. And mm-hmm. there was no one else... Well, there's one other family that they identified in Denmark, and there's other people that have this somewhat similar mutation, but it doesn't have the exact same effects. Wow. So for that to happen and for that, for I, I just can't imagine like having to, having mutate to be productive. all, productively mutate all yeah. of the, the genes to make and chromosomes and everything to make that happen. Yeah, what they came, the conclusion they came to is for, if it had, it had to happen early on enough in the development of the, of the organism, so mm-hmm. like in utero, for example, for right. a baby. Right, Well. It'd have to happen then to be meaningful, but even then, they would be so the 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 uh, the side effects would be so catastrophic that right. it would almost li- likely it would most likely lead to death. Well, and that was the thing is they didn't find a, a necessarily a cure, but they are working on yeah. uh, something that can maybe help alleviate some of the symptoms. Sure. Which I'm like, gosh, that would take so much research and time, and there there's a whole like dedicated laboratory and biotech mm. companies. Um, sorry, not biotech, but tech companies that are working on just this one, mm-hmm. like gene. So it's it's well, the point we're tra- we're trying to make, and we're trying to we're wondering what's a marriage podcast? Why are we talking <laughs> about this stuff? Because even those secular scientists and what yeah. we're what you're talking about now is even the vast you know bank of human knowledge, right? We are so quick to take away God's authority from a creation that so clearly shouts it, mm-hmm. and we as a society want all the things of the king without the king himself. And we are willing to, to go to the nth degree to say that this has to be random. Right. It's not a science question. It's a heart question. Right. The question of authority and authorship and granting God the authority to be the creator is, is not a science question. Right. If we're honest, as these scientists were, they came around to the conclusion that there has to be a designer. Right. 
they're, they're a master designer. And yeah. they didn't want to use the word God. They threw <laughs> yeah. out the word Judeo Christian. They, they, well, they like had they, to, they had to toss it out because, because of that's the yeah platform they were on. They tossed it out there. I mean, they they mentioned it, but that's about it. They weren't right. Right. And so, what what we're saying is that it is even though God has given us clear authority in some areas of our lives, we want to take it back because we think we know better. Right. We think that somehow we've some we've mastered these big questions <laughs> in our marriage, and if and I don't have to submit to God's word, I don't have to submit to the Son of God, Christ Himself. I don't have to submit to the creative authority of God. I can yeah. su- I can figure it out on my own. And a lot of the ways this works out in a marriage is we start seeing just wherever our kind of gut takes us, that becomes the governing authority, meaning the, the entity, the organization, the, the person, or the idea that we are submitting ourselves to right. and the, the altar on which we are sacrificing our, our sacrifices, right. the, the idol that we, are, that we are worshiping. Right. So it could be kids, right? It right. could be where everything has to measure up with what we want for our kids. We live in a, a culture that is very <clears throat> kid-centric. Right. Well, it could even be our spouse and this imbalance and lack of understanding or just a, a blatant like disregard for what the Bible says is headship and submission, right? Yeah. And that whole dynamic. Um, and we've also, you know, there's been a lot of questions that have come in from couples whose extended family have... been the authority and spoken, you know, over certain topics and subjects and Mm. how much strife and disunification, that's a big word for, that was like a $10 word. I didn't need to use that. Well, in-laws, right? You're talking about in-laws. Yeah, like they're not advocating for their marriage. There's a lot of unity that's being destroyed because of this understanding of like authority or the whole family's like oh yes these these are the authority on this subject and this is how you do it and yeah. you know we kind of submit to that and what's your what's happening in that instance is you might have your parents who are, are adversarial they're not advocating like you said and they they see their nuclear family as the authority the right. thing worth preserving right and that's not biblical in in biblical terms your marriage has become a new nucleus mm-hmm. a new family and that is the covenant that is meant to perpetuate the next generation. Right. So, and that doesn't mean you cut off and disown your family, no, obviously, but there's a, there's a there's a sense of... A, the authority shifts, for sure. Yeah, yeah. And I think you and I have had to work through that um, in the last couple mm-hmm. of years as far as, you know, adulting, I think, and having a family and what that looks like as far as... And creating healthy authority. boundaries. Authority, yeah, and yeah. creating boundaries. Um I'm already convicted about like we shouldn't even call this talk like who is the authority. It, it should be like why isn't God your authority? Why have you not submitted yet? <laughs> like well, God that is we ask ourselves right. Why do <laughs> yeah. we ask ourselves like are you not submitted? Just just so much. There's so much order to our world, mm-hmm. and there's so much power in understanding all of that. And how could not? How could anything else be in yeah. authority to that? So I one guess, other one I want to mention is yeah. uh, our friends can be the authority. In our marriage, I mean, yeah. a lot of times we're making decisions to impress them at the to the detriment, yeah, of our marriage or career, yeah. Okay, so taking a job that's too too intense or requires too much right. of you. Now, work hard. Sometimes that means seasons of long hours. But if you're consistently working a job that is directly contributing to the disintegration of your marriage, right, that's a problem, and that means that thing has become the authority in your yeah. life. Because God did not say to you, go work the best job you can at whatever cost. God right. didn't say that. He said right. to husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Wives, submit to your husbands and, you know, in a way that is Bible-based, not world-based. Mm-hmm. But the same thing happens uh, with friends. 
right? And what, by friends, I mean this, is that a lot of times we have friend groups that um, we're speaking personally, but also I think generally. Yeah. Your friend group will determine in a lot of ways the types of things you value. And so if you have a friend group that is very um, maybe affluent or values maybe <laughs> I'm thinking of what's that show with Chip and Joanna Gaines? What's, that, <laughs> what's sh- that show? What's that show? What's it called? Fixer Upper. Fixer Upper. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't like those shows, so I've never really watched it. You watched so I'm a sorry. few, though. You actually liked them. And I did not like them. They were, okay. It's because it stresses me out. Because <laughs> it makes me feel like I'm inadequate. It makes me feel like I'm not cool. And it makes me feel like I can't decorate. Oh, and also babe. they destroy who's, everything. Who's, a, who's authority? Well, I'm telling you. I go, I just go and read my Bible when you're watching that show. <laughs> I don't. I'm kidding. And they're, also, they're obviously awesome people. So yes. I'm not trying to say that it's their fault. It's my own heart problem. <laughs> Um, but the, the point I'm trying to make is that you have maybe a a friend group that values these things. And so they're spending time, energy, money Mm -hmm. to get, to do the thing they value while their marriage is in shambles. Well, not, I don't want to assume that, but if, if that's, if they're the authority and all of a sudden you're like, well, I have to, I have to have this or I'm going to be totally discontent Yeah, and it's going to take the effect on, on my marriage. We're not actually going to God as the authority at that point. Maybe right. it's just in that one area of our lives. I'm not saying every area is like yeah. this, but in that one area of your life, that might be the case. Yeah. So like, how is God not the authority or where is God not the authority in your marriage? Mm. I guess might be a really good question. Culture too. Okay. I'm doing it. I'm sorry. Go you for you it. keep wanting to go down the, down the line, but it's culture's okay. a big one because if this is a huge one, okay. Cause if cult, no, culture does is. not value marriage it in the is. same way. And well, if all we of meet a sudden, online and we want to get married and well, if all of a sudden you're unhappy, <laughs> yeah, your marriage is not that important to, to culture, right? Like you should be able to dissolve it. Your just happiness by is, calling the is judge, more basically. important. Your happiness yes. is the authority. Well, that's what they say. That's not obviously not true. Right. And so if that's the case and the culture's popular opinion is the authority, you're not going to value Christian marriage. You're not going to value covenant. Right. Covenant is not a worldly idea. No. It's not an idea the world likes or even understands, understands or, or, or values remotely. Yeah. It's the opposite. It's contract. As soon as you give me something, I'll give you something that you want. You give me what I want in return. And as soon as that's done, our contract is up. Right. Covenant is not that. It's the opposite of that, which we talk about that all the time. So go back and find one on covenant if you <laughs> want to go deeper in that. Uh, and we look at the covenantal character of God as one of the key, just as God is love, God is also covenantal in character. Mm-hmm. He's made covenants with his people. People throughout the entirety of the Bible, Jesus is the fulfillment of his promise. Mm. And so when we look at our covenant as with as God with the authority over it, mm. we're going to value the covenant more than we're going to value our, our, our own happiness. Right. We're going to value the covenant more than we're going to value the opinions of our friends and uh, pundits and people online <laughs> and people who think, oh, you should just ditch him. He's a, you know, he's worthless or whatever. Yeah. And well, he's not worthless in God's eyes. Right. Ditching him is not something that God's on board with. Right, right. Now, there are nuances to this, okay? And there, if you're not, if you're in an abusive relationship, uh, I think it's good wisdom and I think it's right to find a safe place yeah. and then get help and get, I'm not saying divorce is going to be the best thing, but I'm saying get a safe place, get help, get outside help. And if you have to call the cops, there's nuances <laughs> right. to that. There's don't hear this. caveats and nuances that I think we're all... I just don't want to gloss over that because there I are agree. people in those situations. yeah. But that's where, honestly, that's an opportunity to trust God even more in his right, authority right. and say, this makes no worldly sense. It makes no sense in my guts. I'm trusting your word that this marriage is worth fighting for. Mm. And it might be very, very hard and it might never be resolved on this side of eternity, but I'm trusting your authority, God. See, that's 
Tell me that didn't just grate on you. Yeah. <laughs> Listener. <laughs> it grates on me to say that because yeah. when someone's in a hard relationship, I want to say... Just get out of it. Well, you've tried. Like, I want to say try hard, like try pretty hard. <laughs> but at some point you need, it's okay. I want to say that. Right. But biblically speaking, I don't know that I can. Yeah. And that's where I have to say, okay, I have to submit to God's authority more than I have to submit to another person's. Or my own feelings or emotions or range on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's... Not it's easy. Not easy. Because I... Oh, go ahead. I feel like everything goes against i can sit in starbucks and every conversation not every but most conversations i hear or interactions i see go and maybe i'm being too judgmental but i really try <laughs> not to be like they just pretty... great against like what okay maybe not every conversation but there have been people that i've sat next to and i hear their conversation i hear how they interact with each other with their kids and i'm just like oh my goodness like what authority do you submit to? like you're well, just okay. Many, yeah. yeah, you're okay just going with whatever you feel, whatever you want to say, yeah. which I am so guilty of this. I'm so guilty of, you know, just unleashing on Ryan and mm. just word vomit everywhere because I'm I'm sad, I'm mad, I'm emotionally just crazy, whatever. It's all right. I'm rubber and you are glue. <laughs> whatever you that, say to me bounces off me and sticks to you. Either. <laughs> I don't think that's very helpful. Well, what you're, what you're expressing is the... Uh, I feel like it's, it's one so of the blatant. symptoms. The lack of, of authority is so blatant in our culture well, today. Well, the authority is me and myself and I. Right. And what you're expressing is a symptom of our hyper individualistic culture. Yeah. And that what's what's your that's it's live your truth, live your best life. Right. My truth is I'm going to do whatever <laughs> I want to say, and how dare you judge me? Because yeah. you've told me about those instances where yeah. you're like you're afraid to to even like look anything. at them because you feel like you're going to get berated because they're just on a rant yeah. and you're going to, you know, you're basically jumping in front of a steamroller right. at that point. Right. <laughs> hey, that's a bit of a, an anomaly, in a, uh, but I think we can relate on various levels. Yeah. I mean, I, I absolutely, I think there's, there's just a lot of pressure that culture puts on us, the counter pressure okay. to go against what God's authority, what God's word says and the authority it has in our lives, which I think is why, more and more, mm. the, the as I the as the years pass, the women and the people <laughs> that I really look up to are the people that have had to walk through hard things that everyone else would walk away from, or that are in the midst of the muck and the mire, and they're still saying like Jesus is sufficient; He is all yeah. that I need. Those are the people that I'm saying. Okay, they have faith, like they have grace, they have true love, mm. they understand the authority of Christ, yeah. and they're submitting to it, and it's not just like this reluctant submission, it's a joyful and glad submission. Well, to trust, right? It's that a comes trust from a trust, yeah, a that, deep place of trust. Yeah, it's trust-based. So I, if, we're, if we call ourselves Christians, okay, we have to, we're confronted with this big question of ultimate authority and ultimate accountability. Thank God for Christ, because in him we have complete security and we have been called his own. Okay, but still as Christians, we have to answer for this. And if we're yeah. honest, we on, we don't. We usually respond in a few other ways. Mm. So we're going to read this this passage from Matthew. Selene, if you could, we're going to read about, I don't know, 20 verses Matthew, or so. Oh, really? Well, all of what you got that there. That was like almost 10. So Matthew 21, 23 okay. through 32. So we'll read it. We'll read it. I want to unpack a little bit, look at the context of it. And then from there, I think we can look at what are our typical heart orientations around this 
are, how do we respond and how yeah. are we being called to respond to Christ's overt authority in this in this space so go ahead and read that. verse 23 and that it actually is the title is the authority of Jesus challenged boom <laughs> that's where that's where we should start and when he entered the temple the chief priests and elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them. I also will ask you one question. And if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, from where did it come from? From heaven or from man? And they discussed it among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we are afraid of the crowd for they all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. The next part is that, do you want to stop there? Well, just a quick pause. So he's he, he's being challenged, right? And then he, he, he uh, schools the Pharisees as he always does. Mm-hmm. And then to illustrate it to the people standing around and to the Pharisees, he launches into this parable, the parable of two sons. Right. Uh, verse 28, what do you think? A man had two sons. And he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. Jesus said to them, truly, I say to you, the tax tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. So can you imagine that? These Pharisees in all their robes, they're coming up to him and they've got their whole entourage and they're all decked out and everybody knows these guys are like the religious pros. Well, yeah, they're the spiritual leaders of the day. Yeah. And everybody's looking at them and saying, okay, these guys, if they're going to prove Jesus wrong, because yeah. again, this, okay, Matthew was written for the Jewish people to basically be a sort of an apologetic and sort of a, a specific, um, a specific voice telling the gospel specifically to address heart orientations of Jewish people. Okay, yeah. that's why it starts with a lineage. That's why you see a lot of these Pharisaical sort of exchanges, or Jesus exchanging with the Pharisees like this. Mm-hmm. And so you have, you know, you have the antagonists front and center, and Jesus is saying, you know what? In all your robes, and all your pomp, and all your pro-religiosity, everything you've got dialed in, everybody here is watching you. Mm-hmm. The tax collectors and the prof- the prostitutes will, will be accepted into my kingdom before you. Mm. Can you imagine how offensive that would have been? <laughs> so I that's why I see this part as kind of like the beginning of the end. <laughs> I feel like... And, can I can I go even further? I want to go into the context yeah. of this whole chapter because that was the next point. So yes, you may. Oh, thank you. Uh, you've <laughs> thank given you for me, asking. Uh, you've given the authority, <laughs> the authority. has spoken. <laughs> so uh, all of Matthew, like I said, Jesus is going about uh, basically showing and telling and teaching and discipling out of this authority, but it's more of an, uh, a covert way. Yeah, he doesn't come out and say it. He's and public. Claim it. He's not claiming it. He's not whispering. Entirely. But he's not making. He's not being confrontational about it until yeah. now. I and feel so he's like, going about doing doing miracles and showing people, and you know, speaking kindly to people and right. showing people, doing the the beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. He's teaching people. Right. He's discipling the disciples and going. He there's he's going through all the different life events yeah. with them throughout yeah. this short period of time. And then something changes in Matthew 21, where all of a sudden now he's not just telling, teaching, showing, and discipling, but he comes out and he, the very beginning of Matthew 21 is the triumphal entry. 
and he comes in on the back of a donkey right. and people are there and they are looking at him and they say, all right, he's it. Hosanna in the highest. <laughs> the king right. has arrived. Right. And he is saying, I've rode on the back of a donkey so that it would be fulfilled the, what the prophet Isaiah said right. in, in Isaiah. So he is coming in. He's, he is boldly proclaiming it, but he's also claiming this slot in scriptural prophecy saying, that's me. Right? There's nothing right. there's nothing passive or or <laughs> which is a very big claim to make to the spiritual leaders of the day who ideally, right, should have recognized and known him. Yeah. Of everybody, right? Of everybody that that would have should have believed first or been on board first thing, it should have been these guys, but right. they did not. Right. And and why is that? Yeah. Well, why why did they not believe him? Yeah, why did they not submit to his Well, authority? they had a lot of skin in this game. And they, they thought Jesus was just kind of an aberration, like he was a, a rebel and he was coming in and just kind of upsetting the peace. Well, and they didn't I, believe he was the Messiah, no, and that's what and he's I, addressing. Right, and I, but I also think they've, they had um, <laughs> fear of man. There was a lot of fear of man happening. They were and, very yeah. fearful of the crowds yeah. because the crowds sustained their lifestyle. The crowds were massive. Uh, and could have probably destroyed them mm -hmm. uh, at any given moment. And so they felt there was so much, it was so volatile that they had to tread very lightly and very carefully. And Jesus is like, yep, and here I come, like marching in, like without hesitation, right. with full authority. Because now, because they were wanting a king that would come and like take the nation of Israel to like the next level of freedom well just well, have freedom the and national it. yeah and yeah it was more of a political and that's why jesus came as not that right. kind of king he right. came as a king on a donkey and he's saying what is it what's the prophecy say to the daughter of zion behold your king is coming to you your king okay yeah this is from isaiah humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt on the uh the full of a beast of burden how beautiful is that that our king who came to save us. Mm -hmm. This is upside down kingdom. I love this because he came not to, to be served, but to serve. Mm -hmm. And here he's proving that. Yeah. And so ha had they recognized that publicly, they would have totally derailed all of everything that they had built their lives on. Mm -hmm. They had so much skin in the game that they, they were on the top of the org chart in God's kingdom. And Jesus is coming here and he is totally leveling, demolishing the org chart. He's saying, there's me, he's your king. He's redefining the authority, yeah. I, I'm the king now and everyone below me, prostitutes, tax collectors, and if you want, Pharisees, you too. Yeah. You can also be a part of this kingdom, but you have to submit to my authority. So right. before we get too self-righteous here. Well, not so, yeah. And, <laughs> and there's, an, the same thing. there's a big need, right? They recognize... What's I mean, what's something that is different between tax collectors, prostitutes, and Pharisees and elders is mm. that I think there's more of a recognition of a need for a savior, right? Within the tax collectors and the prostitutes, seeing a savior, their hearts, I feel like that sometimes can fall heavier on them, right? Mm. And they, they can be full, like he who has forgiven much, loves much. What is that? Yeah, I don't he's wanna... forgiven much, loves much. Thank yeah. you. When really we are all forgiven, my, like, because if you look at the self-righteousness of the elders and priests, I mean, that's, it's all the same, right? It's yeah. all, we are all the ones that have been forgiven of much, but we don't yeah. always understand that because we take on our own authority in this situation, right? We, we start to govern things ourselves and we start to, mm -hmm. sorry. You say no, he, okay. Yeah, we, 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 exactly. We tend to forget, like we talked about, I think it was Matthew 18. Mm-hmm 
forgiveness and how we are the servant who was right. who was forgiven so much and yet we turn around and want to we want our version of justice. Right. And God's version of justice, Jesus is what the justice he brought is based on his authority and based on trusting his authority. Right. So I want to say before we get to, like I started saying before we get too self-righteous. <laughs> yes. We're we're not necessarily the we're the villains here. Right. right. So we tend to be like Pharisees, especially if Absolutely. you're listening to this as a Christian person. It's it's so easy for us to functionally not submit to Christ's authority in our lives. And so this what we see in this chapter, and this is just one chapter, chapter twenty one of Matthew, is we see a number of responses to these audacious claims of Christ as the the, the king. Yeah. Okay. Initially, and this is not me. Tell me if it's you. <laughs> but initially we see, as in the triumphal entry, now we're not just going to the verses we read, but all the way back to the beginning. In the triumphal entry, we see the people that they saw him and they quickly believed, right? Mm-hmm. So there's those people. I, I know that first time someone told me about Jesus, I didn't quickly believe, right? I was skeptical. I didn't immediately just submit to his kingship and his authority. Some I think I did do. because it was all I knew and it was what everybody believed and it seemed right and the good thing. And that was... Well, that's the awesome. culture I, be- I grew up in. So that's awesome. Me, and was... you had faith like a child. I remember yeah. I remember when we started dating. Actually, it wasn't we weren't dating yet, but I was just <laughs> watching you from afar, the creeper that I was. <laughs> <laughs> just heavy mouth breathing. <laughs> no. No, I was never that creepy. No. But I remember seeing, man, she loves Jesus so much. I could never... I remember thinking this. Now, don't laugh. Actually, it's okay if you laugh, but I was like... <laughs> She'll never love me more than she loves Jesus. And I was like, I was like, so, <laughs> I remember he said that to me. And I was recently, so just like, recently. I was so intimidated by Jesus, <laughs> as, as you, you should, should be. be. <laughs> <laughs> but that, so you had a very unique faith in that you've never really needed more than just his arrival on the scene. Right. And that's a beautiful thing. And it's, to me, it's a freeing thing and something to be okay with and, and proud of in a sense. But I also don't want it to be this fairy tale thing that is disconnected from the realities of our life and culture today. And I think mm-hmm. growing well, up with something, you can very easily believe that it's, it works in certain circumstances, but not all, which is where I feel like God has really shown himself to me in yeah. how he works through every circumstance, how he really is the authority and his way is the best way and the highest way, always. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that, yeah. and that has good. been what's been proven truth to me in the real life day to day. Faith like a child, yes. That's As an adult, it's oh. so, I feel like it's challenged in so many ways. I, that's what I love about our gospel. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about the God of the Bible, the, the true God, is that it's, he's, understanding Christ and his kingship is simple enough for a small child to understand. Mm but it's complex enough to keep them even the most inquiring minds busy for their entire lives. Yeah. And the depths, you'll never plumb the depths of the gospel, right. but you can easily float on, on top of it. <laughs> right. Oh, and that's, man. and that's the beauty of it. And, and so, yeah, I think that's good to, to know kind of, you don't want to have a blind faith because he has given us so much evidence of his authority. It just adds to my faith and my understanding of truth, which gives me yeah. confidence and assurance even more in who he is and his mm. purpose for our lives. So so I just want to quickly get through kind of how we can welcome him as the king that he is and how we see that in this chapter. And that's the first one is we, we see him as king and we quickly believe, right? Those right. guys, they, they threw down the palm fronds and the cloaks and they said, ah, Hosanna, he's it. King right. of kings is here. King, he is, and kings have authority. 
Yeah. And so they start bowing and worshiping him. And it was this rapturous thing. And again, he burst on the scene. And then there's other responses, right? There are people that came to him in the chapter. I don't have it in front of me, but they came to him and they needed healing. Mm. Right. There's people and they, they, so they came to him and responded to that. Right. right. So they welcomed him as the healing king. And there were those who, who needed forgiveness, right? The prostitutes and the tax collectors. And they came to him as those needing forgiveness. And those two were me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's the Pharisees. They challenged his authority because of the reasons we talked about. They told him that he didn't measure up to their definition of king. Mm. Right. They challenged his authority. They were caught somewhere between people pleasing and skepticism. Right. They were afraid of the crowds, but mm-hmm. they also were, were skeptical of, of what he was saying. Mm-hmm. So they were caught in between. So then they said, I don't know. Right. And to those people, J- Jesus ends the passage that we read with, he said, you did not hear John the Baptist proclaim these things and then change your mind and believe him. Mm. So that's, the th- I think, the fourth way we come to recognize him as the king that he is, is we change our minds mm. in that he, we are convinced and to be convinced means we have to what? We have to be humble. Mm, and submit. And we have to submit to his kingship. Right. And submission is simply, it's if you break the word apart, it's underneath his mission, becoming mm. a part of what he's doing. Not trying to be our own kings. Right. Ruling our own kingdoms. Establishing our own colonies and our own, you know, whatever. Right. We are submitting to him. Right. And so, again, I just want to repeat those four ways that we welcome him as the king that he is. Right, we as those who quickly believe, those who need healing, those who need forgiveness, and those who are changed, who whose minds are changed and right. believe. So, okay, so let's talk. Let's bring this back to marriage, okay? <laughs> because it's a marriage podcast, and that's what I, I love taking these deep truths and somehow tying lines. Again, we're we're this is this is not a chapter Drawing on marriage. Lines. This is not a chapter about <laughs> marriage. Thank you. You can't tie lines, can you? Nope. Tying it together. Just all my pregnancy, all my pregnancy, like <laughs> you're mixing mowing idioms. and vacuuming and all the things. Yes. So this, again, it's not a chapter about marriage, but there's application that can be had Absolutely. By, by applying it to our faith, honestly. So how can we be, how can this bear weight on our marriage and, and help us be uh, healthier, more God honoring and flourish? What do you think? <laughs> Oh yes, ha- I thought you were. I thought you were going into it. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just along for the ride now. <laughs> no, I want to no, know no, what's, no. what's but in when, your guts. Well, when when Jesus, I mean, it goes back to everything that we believe, and it Jesus changes everything. When we understand, like in the Great Commission, Jesus says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me." <sighs> That's the most obvious verse there. If you want to talk about authority, <laughs> Jesus came and said to them, right. And this is, and that's what he said when, when he, when the one who has all the authority comes to us, says, go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded mm. you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That changes everything. That changes everything about my marriage. Because when we are called to go make disciples, we always talk about this. Our, who is our first disciple? Each other. I right. mean, Obviously, I need to get disciple myself. Is that no? Well, the spiritual disciplines, yes, which the spiritual discipline is part of discipling, right. right? But then making disciples begins with our house. It begins with our marriage relationship, and then it flows into the to our child, the lives of our children, which then flows in, you know, out into our community hmm. as well. And so, make disciples yeah. of all nations. I mean, you could pretty much almost put like where okay. it starts and how it goes. So you're saying that this placing our trust in Him as the authority in our lives. 
compels us to live in light of this truth and the right. truth being that he, we are commissioned with right. him to make disciples of right. all nations and discipleship with... is such a beautiful thing and i think that it it changes our, our it can change and transform mm. our relationship in our marriage because if we are cold and distant not engaging and kind of just roommates instead of spouses i think that understanding Christ's authority and his commission on our lives, if we believe in that authority and we recognize and submit mm. to that authority, we are going to respond, right? Mm. And when we respond, it's going to challenge how we're living. I don't, I, I, no longer can I really live disengaged and cold and unfeeling towards you mm. because at that point I'm like, I'm not submitting to Christ in this area. I'm not submitting to his authority in how I'm, I'm not loving you, right? I'm not actively loving you. I'm not actively extending grace to you. Or I'm not actively forgiving you. I'm just kind of staying over mm. here in my corner and doing what I feel is, I don't know, self-preservation or just not dealing with things. I mean, call it whatever. That's good. Whatever you want. That's good. So you're, you, so you're looking at the missional picture, but also like day to day, which is yeah. how do I love my hu- your husband well? Right. Me. <laughs> if you, Your if husband. anyone's wondering, that's me. I'm the husband. That was great. Just like three steps to the to the one. Super uh, effective communication. Yeah, I mean, as a husband, how do I? Okay, so if I'm submitting to Christ's authority, uh, and I'm called to love my wife as Christ has loved the church, right? Then uh, what did Christ do? He died right. for her. Uh, he. Uh, he he served her. He washed her feet. Right. The, you know, he, he he had compassion. And I think in the in a future episode, we're gonna we're gonna talk about First Corinthian love, love uh, the First, First Corinthians thirteens and what Paul lays out for the thirteens. <laughs> Just doing great today. <laughs> but what he lays out in that love chapter yeah. and how Christ is the fulfillment of all that right. and the exemplar of right. all those. And so right. we'll get into that. But I don't well, know. I, whole... I just real tangibly speaking, I want to. Okay. Uh, so listening. Okay. Okay. If I'm submitting to Christ's lordship, I can stop for five minutes and listen to my wife That's without right. feeling angsty about it. Yes, you can. Yeah, never mind. Can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm just sorry. It just it just hit me the whole idea of authority and submission and like headship and submission and how Christ has all the authority, right? And you are like to love your wife as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. And and how are wives supposed to respond? The submission aspect. Again, this is not a roles conversation. Well, but it is. Entirely, <laughs> but it is. <laughs> There's a lot of things we're talking yeah. about. I'm not even going to joke here because it's so sensitive. But this idea of being the head of the house yeah. versus being a, a wife who's not the head. Yeah. Okay? It's very subversive culturally. Yeah. And the reason it's subversive is because we see distortions of those roles. And mm. that's the only view of it that we have. Mm-hmm. Meaning that I have a, a view of, you know, a head who is either domineering or too passive, or you or a view of a submission as being too uh, pa- passive, right. sins of passivity, you're being walked all over, right. or subversive in right. that you are right. usurping, you know, so you have this idea. So it's, we have to align ourselves with the authority of scripture in these ways. Right, right. Submitting, yeah, good. what it means to be under Christ's authority as the one he's called to right. be the head of our little home. Right. But that's not a, that's not a king. Like it's an upside down kingdom. Remember right. we, he came to not to be served, but to serve. So as the, the head, I'm actually like you serve me. serving you. 
<laughs> well, we've talked about anytime there's an impasse or we yeah. can't reach an agreement. Yeah. I always urge husbands like give whenever possible. Give. Yeah. If you can't decide where to eat, go where your wife wants. If you really want to have pizza and she really wants to have not pizza, have not pizza. <laughs> okay. Because it's that's how that's the savior that we serve. And and so again, I want to get really practical here. Communication. I can take time to listen. I can yes. take time to be empathetic and not just try to be right. Jesus was not. He could have proved himself right every single time, but he didn't. He listened. He loved. He taught. He showed. He lo- he, yeah, he showed. Versus just telling all the time. Yes. Yeah. And I'm learning as I'm saying this. So this is good. You're good. You're good. Um, I in, think. In our intimate life. Yeah. Right. I can go into our intimate life, into the bedroom. Right. To have sex. I'm just going to say it. And. <laughs> what are you doing? Change my clothes. <laughs> just going to just do stuff. And. Uh, but I can go in there with a selfless desire to love you and try to and ask God to give me a selfless desire to serve you, even in that capacity, and mm-hmm. not just try to get from you what I want, but to give to you mm-hmm. in a way. In our finances, this trickles down into every way. I don't think we need to get through everything. Well, and I think but... wives can do that in a, in a somewhat similar way, right? Yeah. We constantly are wanting to... It's definitely too takes two yeah yeah but i guess i'm just looking at the submission aspect of it like how is that different than the authority and the service aspect of it you know well it's the same well i love this analogy because if if a child's trying to fix his bike on the side of the road and somebody stops by to help him fix the bike is the helper the stronger one or the weaker one the adult the helper is the stronger one so like wives are helpers I feel like it's because you're you have the bigger picture many times and you're it's not it's not a, a derogatory or pejorative right. term to call somebody a helper. Right. And so I think how you do that is helping with a pure heart, not helping right. with a condescending heart or a Subver- like, like a coddling heart motives or, or like a, yeah. almost being overly motherly, yeah. but really like helping as a supporter and saying I have skin in this game of helping yeah. you become the man that you've been called to become. As a husband, I have the same skin in the game and trying to help you become the woman that God is yeah. calling you to be. And I think that's how we can help each other, but specifically maybe so good. from a wife's No, side. I think you clarified that very so, well. And I, yeah, good job. So Jesus. Go he, you. He, <laughs> thank you. So Jesus closes the chapter. Honestly, it's, it's a harrowing line. Okay. And he says this, he says, therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. Mm. He's talking to the Pharisees. Yeah. Okay. And he says, and the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And he's referring to himself as the stone, the cornerstone. He had just been talking about that in a previous passage. And when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Okay. I love Ellicott's commentary on this. So I'm just going to read it okay. instead of trying to act like I made it up because <laughs> it's really great. He said, in the immediate application of the words, those who fell, quote unquote, were those who were, quote-unquote, offended at the outward lowliness of him who came as the carpenter's son and died a malefactor's death, right? A common criminal's death. Right. That, quote-unquote, fail brought with it pain and humiliation. High hopes had to be given up and the proud heart to be bruised and broken. But there, but there the fail was not irretrievable. So he's talking about what Jesus says in the one who falls on this stone, yeah, right? The fall was not irretrievable. Even we fall on Christ yeah. in our brokenness. We fall and we are broken to pieces in that all of our presuppositions about life are shattered. Mm. We're bruised. Our egos are bruised. We want to be the authority, but we're not. Right. But here Ellicott's saying is that it's not irretrievable. The bruise might be healed. It was the work of the Christ to heal it. That's the business he's in. Mm. But when it fell on him, when the stone fell on him who was thus offended... Here, there's rapid transition in the imagery, and this is Ellicott's t- 
talking about this. He's comparing it to Daniel. He says, when that stone falls versus being being fallen on, okay, the stone is now falling on the offended one. When Christ or that church, which he identifies with himself, shall come come into collision with the powers that oppose him, then it shall be ground to a powder. (laughs) It shall grind them to a powder. And so there's this sense of like, if we don't, if we don't submit to this authority willingly here and now and, and deal with the bruising that happens because of the bruising to our egos, the bruising to our sinful flesh, then essentially our only other option is to be crushed by it. There's healing in the bruising. There's no retrieving the crushed powder. Right. And so that's a harrowing passage. He says the, uh, and the one, the one who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Mm. Okay, so he he is giving us a decision point: is that who are we going to grant authority in our lives? And just as we saw at the very beginning of this passage, he is the only option for us. It's either him or be crushed. Mm. And now he is not a God who threatens us into heaven; <laughs> he is a God right. who has loved us. And here we are, the, the King coming to us, serving us, compelling us winning us, mm. paying the price for our sin, living the life we we should have lived and dying the death we should have died so that we can be alive in him. Right. And so honestly, I think this is just our, I, right now I just feel like I want to encourage you, married couple, mm. if Christ is not the authority in your marriage and that he is not uh, governing your decisions and that you yeah. are not aligning yourselves with his word, he's not governing how you communicate, how you love how you make decisions. How, yeah. And how you <laughs> how raise you, your children, how you, how you do your career, yeah. even th- things like how you buy your house or think I'm telling, hand it over to him. Trust him yeah. with that. Have your mind changed. Yeah. Because yeah. we can either rebel or repent. So good. And there's so much beauty on the other side of repentance in that there is. And, and the only prayer that we can really say at this point is help me, help me in my unbelief. I'm repenting. Help me believe that you are the good king that you are. Help me to throw away everything. What does Paul say in Colossians 3? If then you've been raised with Christ, focus your mind therefore on where Christ is in Mm. heaven, on the throne, Mm -hmm. not here on earthly things. Mm. Set your mind on heavenly things where Christ is. And so, God, help me. Help me set my mind on heavenly things. When I wake up in the morning, help me want you. Help me want your will for my kids. Help me want your will for my marriage. Mm. And I think... Honestly, watch watch as the servant king transforms everything from the inside right. out. So good. And, and brings the healing that he promised to bring. So good. Brings the health, brings the forgiveness yeah. um, and the grace to, to live day by day. Yeah, so. I think that's good. I think it ends. It's a good place, good stopping point. Gives us some mm. good things to think right. about and to talk to our spouse about. Um, yeah. So I guess here's here's the question I want. Take these questions to your husband or your wife, and here they are. It says, just simply ask this: How do you, how do we welcome Jesus as the King that He is mm-hmm. in our in our household? How do we welcome Jesus as the King that He is? Another way to phrase that is: What do we do when confronted with the authority of Christ? What's our tendency? Okay. In other words, what right. do we do when something that we want goes against what we know? Yeah, how do we, how do we respond? Yeah. 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 And then just talk through that. Pray about it. Yeah. And um, if you're looking for more info on that, you guys, if you're looking for more of this foundational stuff, uh, check out our book. We have It's called Fierce Marriage. <laughs> Imagine that. What? But we talk about all this kind of stuff, specifically around covenant and love mm-hmm. and the gospel. And then we get into how that works itself out. And you can just find that on Amazon. It's just called Fierce Marriage. You can also um, find it at any book. Anywhere you find books, really. 
Um, this is true. But that's if you want to go deeper in that. And I definitely encourage you not to, to stop. It's funny how people want every, in every aspect of life, we expect to put in the work to get the growth, except for in our marriage. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, man. I want to lose 30 pounds. Well, you got to go to the gym. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need that. I'm going to eat whatever fine. I want. It's fine. Or I want to save, you know, I want to have $10,000 saved. Well, you got to put some money in there. Mm. Yeah. Uh, that's what you think. <laughs> Agree to disagree. And so, but in marriage, the tendency is we say, well, I want a healthy marriage. I want a thriving marriage. I want to connect with my spouse, but I'm not going to work on it. Yeah. I'm not going to invest time to read a book. I think even just- I'm not going to invest time to do devotions keeping together. Keeping the maintenance level yes. requires something like- Oh, yes. It's just like a weeded gar- a garden with weeds, right? They will grow. They will grow if you do not- Something will thrive in that garden. Yes. Depending on how you cultivate it. Yes. It's yes. weeds or fruit-bearing plants. So anyway, I got, I'm getting the finger right now, the spinny finger. The wrap it up, wrap Freddy. Wrap it up, Freddy. This is not the Ryan Frederick show. Well, you know what? Well, you got to have passion today. once in you a had... while. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, well, just remember who's the authority here. <laughs> Jesus. So thank you for, so much for listening. If you pray? have questions, I will pray. <laughs> okay. Just so. waiting for you to say this episode. You got to pray first. Go ahead. <laughs> God, I pray that you would continue to be the authority in our lives and in our hearts and let that bear weight on our marriage uh, and the relationships with our children. God, we pray that you would be recognized as the authority, that as we respond to people, to uh, events, to things that happen in our life and around us, God, that your authority in our lives would be evidence to those around us. We love you, God. Thank you for my husband. Thank you for your word. Thank you for just the clarity that it brings uh, to our marriage and the authority that it gives us. It yeah. not gives us, I guess gives us, but also just the freedom it brings because mm. of being submitted to you, God. We love you in your name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Thank you so much for listening, Fierce Marriage listeners. This episode is... In the can. All right. As usual, we'll see you in about seven days. And until then... Oh, stay fierce. <laughs> I sat back. <laughs> thank you for listening to the fierce marriage podcast for more resources for your marriage please visit fiercemarriage.com or you can find us with our handle at fierce marriage on facebook instagram and twitter if our ministry has blessed you we'd be honored to partner with you on patreon.com slash fierce marriage there are benefits to being a partner but more than anything you get to be part of making the fierce marriage podcast possible to learn more go to patreon.com slash fierce marriage that's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash fierce marriage thank you so much for listening we hope it's blessed you take care